just like to see things that like haven't been done. When I can take risks and then I know that I'm expressing myself. We, I, I never went in on the song so many times. I, you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to all kind of music. The truth is in the room. It's it, it. Public Pulse Vibes, I am here, of course, with my co-hosts, uh, Lil Tanky, Kita, The Muscle, I am a mean TMK. This is our 90s top 30 list, part two. These niggas in here cutting up. I'm gonna try to keep them on straight and narrow. I'm trying, okay? Jokes so you, you gonna keep us straight I'm and narrow? I'm straight. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Oh. This is what the 90s do, man. We left y'all with a lot, but now we... I think you've had enough time, right? They've had enough time. They had a breather. They've had a breather. Let's you give them the rest. Yeah, let's give them the rest. Let's keep it gay. And let's keep it going. Uh, let's start with our. Are y'all? Do you, anything before we need to get? I mean, this is a massive fifteen. Take so, a breather, y'all. Look, we gonna move you through all the fucking stages of grief with this shit. Okay, so have um, you know, your favorite motherfucking nineties paraphernalia with you right now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Have you, uh, what's that sparkling, connect, can, uh, clearly Canadians, grab them shits. You know, all I don't know of what you. that is. Oh, see, you ain't no real 90s baby. Nah, that's true. You ain't no real 90s baby. I never claimed to be. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, any thoughts, Muscle? See, he already not knowing. You're, I'm trying to figure out whatever. I mean, was it come out with Werther's Originals? Was that the, did wow. they come out pairing together? Wow, this man be hating on a Werther's, but clearly Canadian really <laughs> is a loss. Okay, we'll, we'll watch a commercial on it or whatever. Uh, any thoughts, Muscle, before we keep this list popping? No, let's hit it. Okay, boom. Number 15, Anna Begins, Counting Crows, 1993. There's a, there's a, I think, what was the, the line in the song that we all picked up on that was like, damn, that really is some real shit. I mean, I'm supposed to pick out one okay, okay, line but, from a Counting Crows song. Let me, let me. Arguably some of the strongest songwriters of all fucking time. Some of the strongest songwriters. That's a fact. Um, so let's just, I'm going to say a couple facts, and then I'm going to go to the crack team, and then we can, you know, can, can discuss how we do. Um, lead singer. Adam Duritz wrote this song about denial. It's about when you're in a relationship with someone and you keep denying. It's anything but a fling. Then you wise up and realize... You are so fucking smitten. That's a fact. So the song is about denial. Anyway, yeah, no, go ahead. My friend assures me it's all or nothing. I'm not worried. I'm not overly concerned. I mean, you ain't been there before. Absolutely. Like, you, you feeling this person so much, but y'all are homies. And you're like, man, what if I make it weird? And, man, they like, why this motherfucker don't see that I'm stupid for them, man? Like, so many of my best homies, that's the way their relationship started. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, man, I normally know pretty quick, like, I'm smitten for this person. I don't be denying this shit. Probably not even to them. But, like, a lot of us do. This song is the epitome of that. Yeah, and, I mean, that's what Adam Jurid said. Because, you know, of course, everybody's going to be like, wait, who's Anna? Was she someone from your past life? Tell us all about the story. And he's like, she's Anna. You don't know her. She's in Australia. But she's every girl you ever felt that way about, too. It's a microcosm. I feel like I do that, too, when I write poems or I write music. I'm like, sometimes I pick out a moment with this person, and it's sort of a microcosm of a larger thing. But that's the person that you go to. I have some lyrics from here I want to read because, like we said, some of the strongest songwriting in the game. 
it does not bother me to say this isn't love because if you don't want to talk about it, then it isn't love. I mean, isn't that the realest thing? If you don't want to talk about it, then it isn't love. And I think we've all been in that situation where it's like, nah, we need to address Just this. the dialect, right? The dialogue, I'm sorry, of the song, like her response later on in the song, if it's love, she says, then we're going to have to think about the consequences because mm. she can't stop shaking and I can't stop touching her. Whew. What? Get this nigga a napkin. I need a wet wipe. Please clean me off. What? This shit is so beautiful and so sexy and haunting, right? And it's the whole, again, this song in and of itself is the stages of grief. It goes from the yes. highs, the lows, the, the dissolution, the connection, the passion, the loss of that passion and what that means, how it changes us. It's beautiful. To say nothing of this, the fact that it really is just beautifully pitched. It's and it was a huge success. That's what I'm saying too. Like right. it's a part of like the '90s. It was in, it was in a wait. All these great '90s songs are in fucking soundtracks. Oh, the best soundtracks of all time. This is how I know we're so connected, man. <laughs> because this was something I was gonna bring up when we get to one of our songs later. But right, actually, right. we can pick up this discussion more. Like Number fourteen. Come as you are. Nirvana, 1992. Come as you are is a song by, oh, alert. Grunge alert in this bitch. Grunge alert in this bitch. A song by American grunge band Nirvana written by frontman guitarist Kurt Cobain. Kurt the Cobain, the god of motherfucking Gen X. Yes. Does that mean he the best? No. But no. does it mean he epitomizes... I mean, all of the best elements of, like, at least 90s white America. This motherfucker. What makes Nirvana great? All these rock bands, all these hard metal, hard rock bands, these metal bands. They got all of the Lamborghinis and the fucking video vixens before they was video hoes, of course, because they had pride back then. And they video sweaty in, baggy jeans, fucked up flannel, dirty fucking hair, because he broke ass, everyday ass. You can relate, probably went to high school, picked on him ass, white boy. But secretly, he dope as fuck. That's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, this reached number 32 on a Billboard Hot 100 second uh, in the UK top 10, uh, reaching number nine on a UK singles chart. Uh, reached the top 10 in eight countries, top 40 in 11 further countries. So, of course, what do we say about Nirvana early when me and you were talking today, Tanky? Did we, did we tell this to Muscle yet? No. Nirvana is the best popular band of, of all, all time. time. <laughs> without, without a doubt. Now, does that mean they're the best band of all time? No, that doesn't they're mean that. Now. When you think about popular bands... Nirvana's the best. I mean, by far in a way. And, and like, there's, you know, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit's a bigger song. You know, that's the one that most people think they know. And it's good. I, I think it it's really, really good. Is. But Come As You Are, man, yeah. it's such a testimonial to emotional vulnerability mm -hmm. and, and just being who the fuck. All these motherfuckers in clout culture today, everybody putting on. Fake it till you make it. it, it it's, it's now the new reality. You, yeah, nigga, I always was like this. Nah, man, Come As You Are. Hey, man, I can't even come out Tonight, I'm bummy, man. I'm broke, man. I ain't got no money. Hey, nigga, come as you are, man. Yeah, I think a, a very dope, like you said. It's almost like a, um, it's like those Seattle type, like the the Northwest kind of like radical, uh, what, what do they call them? Antifa types, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, they really kind of be out there, though. Like, they be out there, right. like, all black with the body armor on. Like, they really be going off. And you can see, I feel like, 
there's a political, there's something very political about saying come as you are. Come as like, you are. Like, especially, you know, um, Islam, you know, Jewish, yeah, is, you know, Ju- right, right. Uh, Jusalem Powers up in this joint. Jusalem Powers. Jusalem Powers uh, Unite. Um, that's what the the pilgrimage is about. And the Kaaba and the Hajj is like everyone wears white. Everyone wears the straight white, um, you know, like dish dasher, and you just walk around and there's no connection there. To me, that's revolutionary to say come as you are. And anyway, I just wanted to pick up on what you They're said. They're anti-LA, you yeah. know what I'm saying? They're opposite. They're so opposite the Hollywood rock star kind of image and label. I mean, to the point where they even busting on that on their fucking MTV unplugged. I thought we were supposed to be big, famous rock stars. Ha! <laughs> Kurt Hyde a bitch. Number 13. Angel. Massive Attack. 1998. So I got an alert. Okay, I got a decade hopper alert. Hey, this, hey, this, uh, this alert is a lot of hopping. There's a lot of hopping going on uh, when you're talking about Massive Attack. So Angel is a song by English Trip Hop Root Massive Attack featuring the vocals and songwriting from Horace Andy and is partially based on Andy's song You Are My Angel was released as the third single from their third studio album. So three, three, boom, uh, Mezzanine. Uh, on July 13th, 1998, it peaked at number 30 on the UK singles charts. Remember we talked about how this song is like cinematic? Like it has a beginning, a middle, an end, a climax, a denouement, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I really don't be seeing songs like, again, they're, they are a trip hop God band. And um, I God think this tier. is God, God tier, tier S tier, fucking trip hop. Yeah, facts. Any any thoughts? Any thoughts on the song? Go go off. It just reveals so much that these three songs so far in the '90s are all about relationships. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. y'all reveal some stuff about yourselves. That's fact. We're a little uh, loser romantics, I guess. Some of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're all looking at me in the studio right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Her eyes, she's on the dark side, neutralized. Every man in sight, bitch, where she at, though? Yes! He talking about all the shit that we want, man. That whole, that whole femme noir, that whole dark, mysterious, maybe dangerous, right? We talk about a song that exists. It feels electronica. It feels soulful. It feels... Trancy, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is fusion in the best way. This voice, you know, it is haunting. It is rich. It is the best of everything Britain has to offer. When you talk about what I want to hear from music across the fucking ocean, man. Fucking trip-hop is maybe one of the greatest things that's ever come from Britain. And it's because the black influences through this shit is so pronounced. It's just this wonderful, it's almost like a gumbo of sounds. This is a song where, God, man, you know, when you're thinking about, like, the way a Pro Tools session is laid out, how many layers is on this bitch? I mean, it might be 15 layers of just different elements that they're playing with in and out, bringing in rhythm. This shit is a magnum opus. 
the ability to say, we don't really need to create these grand things, these grand schemes. We can take here, 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 and build and compose music based off of these other bases, off one line, off one song. Like you see a lot of producers now, what they'll do is step into the room. They'll just start singing things, you know, take their own sample. They'll run it through some filters. They'll, they'll change it up. They'll reverse it, do some things. Now you have this entire atmospheric. That, like you said, that hip-hop influence that they're taking and they're doing in an analog capacity, even though they're recording it in digital, that's incredible. That's incredible. And in a lot of ways, like we said, it's the most complex song on even in maybe in the whole 90s. This one particularly. Yeah, the way it rises and falls is really dope. Yo, it put that whole movie uh, snatch over, man. It put the whole movie over. You know what I'm saying? So Massive like, Attack can do that for your uh, for your movie. fact, man. <laughs> you go in there and you watch the fucking Pikey scene with motherfucking Brad Pitt and Angel Drop. If your heart don't drop, you Dick Cheney. You dead already. Number 12. On and on, Erica Badu, 1997. Okay, so On and On is a song by American Seal Soul, Neo Soul singer Erica Badu, released as the first single from her debut album, Badu-ism, in 1997. Released uh, in the January of that year, won Best Female R&B Vocal Performance at the 1998 Grammy Awards. We always talk sort of about Erica Badu and, like, how she like birthed like an entire, I don't know, like community or subculture, you know, in of herself, kind of like, uh, you know, just an incredibly impactful. She's the uh, priestess of neo soul. I mean, yeah, one of, I mean, one of her earliest songs, and it was branded neo soul, so she's foundational to that genre. Facts, yeah, absolutely, and classic. Uh, on and on, it's just incredible. Again, there's some people that want to reach out for Tyrone. It was probably a bigger song, probably did bigger numbers. Bag Lady, maybe. You know what I'm saying? But like when you start to think about what on and on represents, right? What 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 that stands for in the sphere of blackness and black culture. Again, this is a black Texan Southern as fuck, hood as fuck. Cool, smoking, you know what I'm saying? I mean, she is the prototype for everybody that literally has a head wrap. I mean, Baduism, she started that whole black women are divine conversation in, in, in a major way in the 90s and revitalized what it meant. You know, this is in the era where before her, I mean, you know, you still have Whitney Houston, right? And that's representing this kind of what it looks like to be the goddess of blackness, right? And then you got this other woman who looked like you might have seen her at the open mic. You know, she got the she got the locks, she got the shells in her shit, she got the rap, she got the whole makeup, and she's singing this soulful shit, but yo, low-key might punch your ass. There's a there's a, a part in the song where she goes, what a day, what a day, what a day. And uh, I just feel like, how many times have you said that to yourself? <laughs> Man, okay. facts. What a day, what a day, what a day. Most intellects do not believe in God, but they fear us just the same. <laughs> I mean that's a po I mean that's what? Po poetry quality writing right there. We're talking about writing. I mean, yeah, dang, actually. Number eleven, Liberation, Outcast, featuring CeeLo, nineteen ninety-eight. Incredible lines in here. It's not corny. It's not like corny conscious music. It's like Liberation is like a very. Um, like, that's a real statement when you say liberation. I don't know if I told y'all this, but, you know, I had to do one of those 
workshops where it's like, oh, it's duality. We're taking two things. I'm both American and Arab, you know, that kind of whatever. And in my bio at the time, it said an advocate for Palestinian liberation. And she was like, can we take liberation out, change liberation? Deadass is a deadass fact. If you know me, you know this is a canon-ass story of my life. And that's what I'm saying. Liberation is a big word. And it scares people. Facts. When you talk about the duality, I mean, again, right, just real lines in the shit. And there's a fine line between love and hate, you see. Came way too late, but baby, I'm on it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it take you as long as it take to get there. When you're talking about the duality, like, do I love this person or do I fucking hate this person? Because you might just still be obsessed with this person. And you get there. Came way too late, but baby, I'm on it. Motherfucker didn't peep game now. Like, and that's just one of the lines in there. When you're talking about, I mean, I think about the black relationship with America, if we just gonna put a fucking point on the shit. Do black people love America or do we fucking hate America? Like, it's a fine fucking line. Because we represent this shit. Like, to the fucking bones. Like, the only motherfuckers that can claim this shit more than we is, like, the fucking indigenous people. Like, but from the first fucking moment, some motherfucker from Plymouth Rock came. There was some motherfucker from the Ivory Coast. Because them motherfuckers ain't trying to till that hard-ass soil up in New England. Nah, they wanted somebody to do that work. So we got the bones in this shit. You know what I'm saying? That kind of shit, it make an investment in this shit. This song is the representation of all that shit. Liberation. The song has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven writer credits Come on, on. it. Okay. Oh, one thing. And Badu do back again, bitch. Yeah. Probably with the fire's yeah. verse on there. Yeah, eight, eight, eight writer credits on here. This song is almost nine minutes long. That is just not gonna happen in a rap song, a hip hop song anymore. It's well, I mean, in any song. We were talking about that earlier. Like, what would music be like without the constraint, the time constraints that capitalism imposes on us? Yeah, streaming culture. You get a you get your point zero zero one three eight nine seven four two cents per song played. So why would I give you nine minutes of work when I can give you two minutes of work and you can get paid eight times? So it's just an interesting wrinkle in again. Very dope. Very dope. Any more thoughts? Niggas hang around you because of who you are. Mm-hmm. Say they happy for you, but they really not. What? Yeah. Number ten. Ah, Juvenile, 1998. I was in the, like, the school locker room or whatever, and this joint came on, and I'm telling you, man, everybody knew this was the song of the summer. Ha, is the 1998 single by rapper Juvenile from the iconic 400 Degrees, produced by the iconic Manny Fresh. Every Fresh. That's what I was like when we were picking the song. For me, it was definitely like, yes, Juvenile, but also I loved Manny Fresh in the 90s. And if he produced a song, it was guaranteed I was at least going to listen to it once. At this time in my life, I definitely thought Manny Fresh was probably the best producer in the game. Uh, you talking about hot boy shit? I'm sorry. This was my fucking life. Hot boy shit. Motherfucking everything he talking about. What it's like to be that nigga in the motherfucking hood. Like, especially you about to be the fresh new face and shit. Boy, Juvie represented all of that. And again, for once, 
at this point, like, so much of Southern rap was regional. You know, we listened to Ball and G. We listened to motherfucking UGK. Niggas came to that shit late. They got there, but they came there late. Juvie motherfucker was undeniable immediately. This was one of the first time you was talking about earlier, TMK. This was one of the first time motherfuckers from New York was on the deck. Oh, let me get on, let me get on that remix. Let yeah, me, Jay-Z me. got on the remix. You know what I'm saying? And that was, man, I'm telling you, the song was percolating throughout the entire world, bro. Like, in a way that, and again, like you said, this was regional for y'all. Y'all have been listening to some music similar to this for a long time. This shit smacked the hell out of the the Northeast, for sure. And I, I just want to add this in here, too. And, and, and of course, uh, if y'all have anything jump in there, I just wanted to mention uh, the chorus to the song interpolates a line taken from an earlier juvenile juvenile single, Soldier Rags. Remember how we was talking about with Massive Attack? Right, right, and right. I was saying, they get take the, you know, you, right now what you can do is you can just take a sample of your own work. Now who you got to pay? Nobody. Yourself. <laughs> so, you know, ha, there you go. Boom. So uh, I just thought that that was an interesting sort of musical connection and how hip-hop influences everywhere in the world. And you're getting this from Massive Attack over here, you know, in the UK. And then down here in New Orleans, you're getting this from Manny Fresh. And again, it just goes back to thank God, thank God that, and, you know, and we- For black we, people. That's a fact. That's a fact. And we rag on a lot of the early hip-hop shit and the, the get-down, but that shit is helping us get here. And we're seeing how people now are elevating that game. It's not to say I don't respect that shit in scratching. We always joke, like, I don't really care much for scratching. But, like, I get why it's super popular, and I get why people took it and reinvented it and created amazing things. And, again, the through line of all of this music in the 90s is it's really well done. It's, it's the, it's really, it really is, man. It's the epitome. It's the cross-sections of every part of black. Look, I can't speak to the black bougie experience. I don't know shit about that. Maybe my parents can. But for me, I can't. But for a motherfucker like Juvie, man, he's encapsulating every aspect of life I know. I mean, look at this. You know how to use a, a triple beam, huh? Shit ain't hard as it seem, huh? You keep your body clean, huh? You got a lot of Jabot jeans, huh? Some of your partner's dope fiends, huh? I mean, these are so many intersections of real life. Shout out to Jabot, because I like we meant, we failed to mention one thing. Do you know what that is about the song? What's that? What's that? There are some rumors about who oh, the song may be directed at. Oh yeah, at. well you know there was there was another group, you know another another label in New Orleans at the time. It was them. doing some things, you know, calling themselves Ice Cream Men, and you know I mean, but you know they wasn't from the Uptown. They was from Third War, you know. I mean it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, so uh, if you know, you know, if as you know, Pusha you know. T would say. Uh, any more thoughts on on how or, you know, really, I mean, man, the song, Back That Ass Up was on this fucking album, bro. <laughs> 400 Degrees is an unskippable. Are you serious? It's a classic <laughs> album, man. Look, if you want to understand the heart and soul of, like, Southern rap and you don't want to be bougie and listen to Outkast, <laughs> listen to 400 Degrees. That's the other side. Hey, hey and I, I love Outkast, okay? You might see them again. Blazing. We just did Outkast. Number nine. The beginning is the end. Smashing Pumpkins. 1997. This is the song that made me think about how the 90s, like the best songs in the world, were being featured on these soundtracks. And this song is my example. The end is the beginning is the end by the super group, Smashing Pumpkins. 
Uh, I know this was on. Billy the... Kirkin's an asshole. Yeah, probably ninety nine percent of these people on these lists, especially the white dudes, are oh, assholes. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? We're going to give you some more 90 Spice before we even get into it too deep. Okay, so one of the reasons why you might hear that Billy Corgan was an asshole, which, by the way, he's an asshole. He's a white dude from Chicago and he's rich. Come on, work it out. He was involved in a fucking love triangle. Let me give you a little bit of that salacious shit. Oh, yeah, let's do it. He was fucking another rock star's girlfriend who was also a rock star. This kind of shit made him, the other rock star, who was not nearly as comfortable with his fame, even more depressive, even more sad, possibly increased his heroin addiction. We're talking about the nun, none other than Kurt Cobain. That's messy. Kurt Cobain and motherfucking Billy Corgan were smashing the same John, a little little bitty by the name of Courtney Love, who would always threaten to leave Kirk to go be with a real rock star. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the salacious stuff. Uh, me, personally, I just want to talk about how incredibly good this song is. This song is incredibly good. And just, man, Smashing Pumpkins is really good, man. They might be. I mean, look, we're going to talk. Um, they were good I in the 90s. They're bad people. <laughs> I really do because the music is so Can much. I tell good, you man. a secret about the industry. Man. As a person that's been in the industry, none of these people are particularly good. Right. I mean, they're not people. bad like Led Zeppelin. So you know, you know we they all, can make the cut. How we said with Led Zeppelin, like I can't. I can't support to that shit. Y'all out here having like. Anyway, do your own research. I'm not do your to own that. research. I'm but not here a, to... Everything about Led Zeppelin is a fucking trigger, so... Yeah, I mean, and you can say that, like... like they, I'm not saying that they're not a really good band, like, but I have to say no. Like, Billy Organ may not be a cool person to you, and you may not fuck with him, and that's cool. And that's all right. You get to set your own lines. And, you know what I'm saying? That's just where we were with it. And we say that, you know what I'm saying, respectfully. Yeah. Respectful to the best of my knowledge, he's just a white knowledge. dude with stupid opinions, which... Plot twist. 95% of the white people you know in your life and interact with have stupid fucking opinions. He could write a rock song, though. Maybe one of the best and ever. they probably can't. That's a fact. All right. Any more thoughts on this one? Yo, this shit is in two different soundtracks, bruh. This song is in two different soundtracks. It's in The Fucking Watchmen and it's in Batman and Robin. I mean, what the it's fuck? Like two of the biggest movies in the game. That's insane. Number eight. Cool thing. Sonic Youth. 1990. So I got an alert. I got an alert. We got a decade hopper in alert. This is like, what is the deal with this group, man? Like, they are an anomaly in so many ways. Okay, so first of all, this song sounds like it was released in both the 80s and the 2000s. Right. Like, and but it's actually the 90s, and it's the early, early 90s. And I think the whole thing with this song and the whole thing I think about with Sonic Youth, and again, it goes back to the conversation about um, Kurt Cobain, okay? Like, they did it even better. They really was, like, out here trying to, like, be very political. Hey, we broke, but we fly out here. It's a bunch of us, industrial sound. They're taking real shots. I got to say, Sonic Youth is is a group that I just feel like 
They are an anomaly in the Matrix. They should not have existed. You know what they are, man? They're edgy as it fucking gets, man. They are really politically driven. They take shots. I mean, real, unequivocal shots at systems, not people. In a way that, I mean, to the point where, of course, man, Kurt Cobain is a huge, hugely influenced by Sonic Youth. You know what I'm saying? Because nobody was saying the shit they were oh, saying. So many. Even Placebo said, if it weren't for Sonic Youth, I, we wouldn't have had a band. Damn. I mean, that's that's some real praise. Hitters. That's some real praise. Um, again, this song, it, it says, like, it's a feminist anthem. And, like... I agree. Like, this is where I want a Taylor Swift to go with how intense you're. Don't just say, oh, it's tough for me to be out here with men. This is saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to, what is the corporate world going to do? Like, I, I, I don't know if we have hey, the, cool the. thing. Come here. Sit down. There's something I want to ask you. I just want to know, what are you going to do for me? I mean, are you going to liberate? There that word is. Us girls mm. from male, white, corporate oppression. What? Like Taylor Swift is not, like, smash the patriarchy is not that. That's not it's a, that. It's not a vagity. It's saying, yo, this is what it is. And, I mean, wait a minute. Is Chuck D in this song? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, I think he has a, a couple lines. Why are you not talking to the microphone? <laughs> Can you say that again, please? Uh, yeah, if you look up um, the who's on the track, I think he's got a couple lines. Bro, Chuck D has a couple lines in this joint. I mean, I, how does this band exist? It doesn't even make sense to me. Look, we I could talk about this song all day. We use this song all the time with our students. And I just think, do yourself a favor. Okay, because a lot of these 90s bands that we get into, like, you know who's on this list that, that, that is going to be on here that you haven't heard. Mm -hmm. You you know these, you know Nirvana, you know Smashing Pumpkins, you know Outkast. You know what I'm saying? Go out there and and, 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 and really get his band a shot, man, because they got some cool stuff. Any any more thoughts? I mean, we can keep going. Please feel, feel free to jump in there. Mm, that's all I got. Sonic Youth is fucking incredible, man. Said, that's all I got. And then I, I will say I did see this band live, uh, and I had heard about them for years. I went to Memphis in May and seen them, and I was like, holy shit. They stole the show. I probably seen 40 bands a day, and Sonic Youth was the one that uh, stood out the most that day. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, I'd heard about them for years. I'd never actually seen them or listened to them. I ain't gonna be like, oh, I was that cool kid in the 80s. Nah, I heard about them. I seen white kids wearing fucking t-shirts and shit, man. Um, but you know, I was on my other shit. And they, they're fucking, they're as good as Build. They're better than Build. Number seven, Hail Mary. Tupac featuring Outlaws, 1997. So remember how I told you there's gonna be some artists on this list that you just know are gonna be here, that you just know you're going to see? Well, we're on one of those artists right now. Uh, Tupac, AKA Machiavelli, with his Outlaws squad. This is 1996, the year he is killed. Or no, 96 is before. Uh, Notice this is posthumously? Yeah. Yeah, it was this released. This is posthumously? Yeah, it was released yeah. after his Oh, death. my God. Yeah, which is single, why, bro. yeah. This is his next single. Again, man, y'all look it up. Everybody out there talking about the language of co-option and all that bullshit is cute to them. 
Pac really represented something that COINTELPRO was terrified of. He dropped this shit talking about fucking his outlaws, all these outlaws are named after like African fucking cool leaders and motherfucking leftists and shit. Like shouting out idiot mean. You know what I'm saying? And then something happened. What happened to that man? And the next song, Hail Mary. Uh, the death man in this shit is so powerful. You have to acknowledge that this is where Tupac becomes like bigger than Obi Wan Kenobi. This shit, man. I mean, this nigga. I mean, not to give you a Star Wars reference, but it's really kind of perfect. He became way more powerful in death than he was even in life. And I think it's indicative because what you're gonna in the '90s, the like these rappers are drawing on the horror elements from their own lives and that they had to experience because we're going to see this with another song that comes later in this list. I think it's really important to think about Tupac the same way you would think about a Malcolm X. He's just utilizing a different medium to move the masses in a radical way. He's becoming more radical as he goes. Who does that? Yeah. I don't I don't see bro Chuck D's talking about vote for Joe Biden. Vote for Burden. Bernie, Bernie. Bernie's you, a Bernie bro. You know, I mean what Come the on. fuck, man? And you're, you know, and these then, niggas get rich, these niggas turn bitch. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if you haven't if you don't know about Pac, if you haven't listened to this song, you haven't listened to this album, you will get you will get your all of your um Tupac, what his he's really about from this album. Remember. Hawaiian shirt Sophie. Hawaiian shirt Sophie fame. Who's he talking about on that one? Mm. Do your own research. Mm. Like, I mean, I just think this whole album is exactly who you think Pac is. It, it is the most Malcolm X he has been. And this, again, like you said, what do we call it? Like a dirge or something? Yeah. You know, like, man, I mean, again, there was some, there was a lot of Pac songs we could have put on here. And, and like Keita uh, alluded to, you know, we're going to go more into this. And also, I'm sorry, I have so many points on this. I have to get them all out. Also, it goes to show you, Yo, rappers are killed at an alarming rate. When you, I mean, if you get that shit out, is still unsolved, by the way. Yeah, and there's documentaries about because it. Uh, it's kind of like Shireen. You know what I'm saying? Well, we investigated ourselves. We investigated, and we, we, found, we found ourselves. We did nothing wrong. Uh, not guilty. Our organization did nothing wrong. Um, and it's yeah. crazy what happens to martyrs. Yeah. It's crazy how no one ever finds what happens to them. Uh, right, 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 right. Like, you need to understand, like, life is real out here. Like, rappers don't be faking. I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you right now, even people who are adjacent to, like, those lifestyles and shit have seen and heard and done things you could never fathom. And this is when Pac is really out. And, and he, this man was murdered in Vegas, man, after a Tyson fight. Mm. And they didn't catch the guy. Number six, Damien, DMX, 1998. Yeah. Okay, so I should probably let you know that at this point in time, DMX is controlling everything in terms of where I'm at with, with music.
Like this feels, it is, I mean, it's the devil talking to DMX here. Like, and, and it's just, uh, and, and it's just like how, remember we were talking about like how the music industry is like such a fucking dark we place. We're back to crossroads, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, and Papa that's Blackba. what, yeah. And this, this is, is the, in that tradition, the story, this is a horror story, right? And it's that. It's and it's also the horror story where DMX recognizes he he's trying to do good, but like the world is making him a monstrous person. And I think a lot of black people can really hard relate to that because it's like, okay, well, what what am I supposed to do? I need a guardian angel. Not gonna get one. Fuck which, it then. Which one? <laughs> wish I had one. You know, but who? Name's D. Like you. I'm just like you. But my friends call me Damien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this 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 album is insane. The song is insane. And another thing, here is why I, I tend to get off a lot of the, like, bougie lyrical rap conversations. Because a lot of people will laugh at the snake, the rat, the cat, the dog. I, you know what I mean? Like, and they go, he's not being multisyllabic. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's not in there rapping really fast. No, no, he must be trash. He's not using uh, a, a huge array of words. Vocabulary rap. Yeah, but I also think about, like, that kind of, um, I mean, I do watch a lot of horror movies and horror TV shows, right? And what this becomes is, like, the chant that's calling this other persona Damien forth, right? Where And, and then the... The rhythmicality of it is what draws you in because it's a different kind of storytelling. So, yeah, people would say it's simplistic. Um, you got your opinions, and I don't feel that way because it's supposed to be representative of Chance. Miami, who in the industry on a high level, who has worked with Wayne, who has worked with DMX, who has worked with countless untold, to this day maintains he has never worked with a more talented rapper than fucking DMX. Number five, Pearls, Sade, 1992. Okay, let's so from DMX, from <laughs> wow, DMX to Sade. And uh, I guess we have another alert. We should mention this decade hopper alert from the classic Love Deluxe. What an album, My hey. once and future wife. Listen, <laughs> Sade. I know these niggas be fucking up. I know that. I make mistakes too, but not with you, baby. Yeah, up until she write an album about you. It's going to be the greatest album of her life because she's going to feel loved and supported. That's right. We'll finally do it right. Okay. Yeah, so... um, Pearls. uh, Four studio album from uh, Sade uh, released Epic Epic Records, 1992. Yeah, I mean, like, I just—so also, we could have put a bunch of Sade songs all over the decades, wherever you want them. I will never argue uh, against the Sade song. The one the one of the reasons I like this song a lot, and I picked—I well, I think we picked it, maybe, is it's even more unique of a Sade song than, than normal, you know what I mean? She's she's coming out. She's not even talking about sort of yeah, the, her geopolitics shit. Yes! Yeah, because this is—isn't it representative of the famine that, in Somali? Yes. Yeah, and the tragedy. I mean, you know, Somalia is where, like, everybody's, like, Black Hawk Down and shit. Like, all that shit was Somalia. Mogadishu, that shit is in Somalia. Like, the Hootsies and the Tutu—the Tutsis and the Hutus. My apologies. Uh, all that is Somalia. I, the, the the line in this song that gets me every time is 
and it hurts like brand new shoes. Mm. I mean, as, and I mean, because A, brand new shoes are great, right? Like you want some brand new shoes, right? But you why- know the way they look. I could take that line and I can be like, hey, start a poem with that. <laughs> yeah, give me $500. Yeah, thank you very much, and I'm out. Number four, you're nobody till somebody kills you. Notorious B.I.G., 1997. Okay, look, I'm, I just want to go down this, this top 10 list right here that we have so far. Juvenile, Smashing Pumpkins, Sonic Youth, Pac, DMX, Sade. You like, know what's next. You, you know what's next. What's next. And, yeah. um, you know, this is like we were talking about before. Um, Hail Mary, like the dirge, like I'm... It's the whole God thing you are, man. The the, the fucking mm-hmm. death name is on the you. The haunting. Black rappers were going through it. And when you look back, when we talk about timeless music, right, you at least would hope the conditions would change enough that it wouldn't be like this. But we can still hard relate to the fact that you're nobody till somebody kills you. Wow. Like, Damn, like your life didn't matter, but the only thing they want to keep writing, and we know this from Notorious B.I.G. and having to watch all of these fucking biopics, that, damn, there was so much, so much, like, support and care and community these rappers needed. And now, uh, post posthumously, we're like, oh, yeah, they were the greatest of all time. And at the time, they were not really getting much. Opening with Psalms, right? Of course, that speaks to my black boy Jewish heart. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Every Jew boy knows these lines by fucking heart, man. Like, this is such a a vital fucking prayer, one of the Psalms. To open a poem, to open a song with that, you know what I'm saying? You know what it is. Got a couple of lines in here I just want to say, because remember, I, I... I'm like our biggest issue with the lyrical miracle rap is it's not within the context of a song and why I believe maybe still to this day, Biggie is the best lyricist because he puts incredibly dope punchlines and weaves it into a like song that makes sense. Hope you creeps got receipts. My peeps get dirty like cleats. Run up in your crib, wrap you in your polo sheets. I mean, I mean, this is not... That's real hitter shit. It's real. That takes you... It's real stepper language. Uh, I remember we were having a conversation about Biggie's mom. You know, I think she's Jamaican, but I think it's, you know... She's from the islands. She's from the islands. Here's a tissue. Stop your blood clot crying. The kids, the dog, everybody dying, no lying. Go back to death is a part of your everyday life. It's not something that you can just... It's not, right. it looks fake from over here. No, it's real. I'm over here. No, I'm, it's real. I'm big dangerous. You're just a little vicious. Mm. Number three. If your girl only knew... All right, man, it don't stop. Do it. It don't stop. I told you, you knew these artists were going to be on here. We gave, we try to give you a couple, you know, uh, a couple uh, forgotten or, um, you know, less popular stuff, but we, we can't move away from Aaliyah. 
If Cannot. your girl only knew. Cannot. Second studio album. Cannot. One in a million. Cannot. Written by Missy and Timbaland. Mm. Produced by Timbaland. Overestimate the importance of Leah to 90s culture, to black culture, to hood culture. I mean, we talking about a hood, John. This is that, man. This is the perfect example of that. Finally pulled away from that terrible piece of shit in fucking Chicago. Now she working with Missy and Timbaland. Her creativity can really be, you know, put to fucking shine, you know, and just dropped... A classic. I mean, this was America's sweetheart, man. Beyonce became everything that Aaliyah was about to be. Yeah. Plus, you know, the the dichotomy. We talk about this, right? Like, yes, it's contradictory, but it's, and this song is like, yeah, it's a ladies anthem. Not going to help you cheat on your girl. But also, I could have you if I wanted to. If I wanted that okay. ass. Women is the real pimp. Women is the real pimps. Claire. Uh, yeah, facts. I mean, again, and this is like. If you think that Aaliyah can't sing, like, you need to listen to this song. And you need to hear her going in the background, hitting them up. Denise Williams notes. I mean, she really back there doing it. I'm not trying to hit If I hear any motherfucker ever again tell me Aaliyah can't sing, I'm punching punching you in the face. (laughs) Neck face. You're saying, uh, Tanky can only reach the neck, but I'm coming for the face. Uh, Yeah, you know, um, sold over her 600,000 copies single in of itself in the United States in 1996. I was one of those copies. Uh, I, I just don't know anybody in my friend group, anybody that was around me that did not recognize if Aaliyah. If someone the, says the something one. bad about Aaliyah, I will probably stop hanging out with them. I, really I don't even like her. Oh, that's cool. Okay, goodbye. It's pretty, first of all, yeah, I just want to say, again, it's pretty incredible. Uh, DMX gone, Biggie gone. Pac gone. Yeah. Aaliyah you know, gone. Kirk. Cobain. Kirk Cobain gone. Uh, you this know, is a lot of tragedy. It, it's a tragedy. Um, and again, we got Pac on this list uh, twice, actually, with Scarface. So, again, I just want to say, like, I do remember, um, because I just do want to mention when um, Aaliyah's plane, again, went down. Uh, I, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, you know, also, left eye plane, plane went down as well. Uh, and I do remember, like, there was a uh, someone who was like telling a story about Aaliyah, and it was like sitting down. They had saw it on the paper, and the woman was crying and was like, "Man, you must have been a big Aaliyah fan, you know, if you uh, you know, if you're crying or whatever." And she's like, I, "She's like, I didn't know her at all, but just reading on her, like, it makes me want to cry." And I feel like that's who Aaliyah she was. She be everything, man. I mean, she had just done Romeo Must Die. <coughs> Excuse me. She had done um. Interview with a vampire part two. The, what was the what was that shit? The um Yeah, she did the the Queen of the Dam. Queen of the Dam, that was it. Yeah. I mean she was on her way to being that bitch. You know what I'm She's saying? She's like the other side of the coin from Pac, you know? Mm-hmm. In, in in the nineties. And I again, man, like I, it's hard for me to look at other music and not recognize that I have all this music from Aaliyah I can go back to and we could have selected a bunch of different songs from Aaliyah. And I just think, if you're going to tell me about all these other super talented, amazing, like, artists that all, like, they'd be in the background whispering all the new songs is, I'm a whisper of a song. Like, Aaliyah birthed all of you. <laughs> and you need to go back and pay homage. Yo, even on the flip side, right? Because artists like, like Brandy and Monica, they're like, well, we're the good girl version yeah. of Aaliyah. Aaliyah the hood girl, you know, the one that's dating niggas in gangs and shit. <laughs> like, 
We want to be the wholesome version. Like, Aaliyah is who Brandy was playing in the in Moesha. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's like, you the one that EQ, you know what I'm saying? Aaliyah is. But, but but I do also want to say shout out to Brandy and Monica of course, because of they both co- uh, were close to making this list as well. Very yeah. important. Oh yeah, and I mean our '90s list is not. Yes, these are our top thirty, top fifteen. However, this is I think still one of the biggest playlists we curated. That was the most overwhelming to try to whittle down into the top thirties. And that's a factuality. Okay, we could keep going. We got two more songs. Two Let's more. get through them. Let's get two through more. Them. Number two, 46 and two, cool, 1996. So y'all, the artist of the decade, artist of the decade, <laughs> and they only have the decade. two songs in the 90s. Uh, I do want to acknowledge that Pac was in two songs, but the other song was Scarface's song, so we went ahead and, and rocked with Tool. Right. So since it's... And, the- and you also got, um, um, what's her name, um... From uh, on and on, Erica, Erica Badu, Badu also Badu listened to, but damn man. good catch, damn yeah. good catch. Tool is the only group, uh, the only band it that exists as Tool. Two songs, all by by that band. So with that being said, I'm gonna pass it to Muscle. What you got, artist of the decade? I think it was fascinating trying to do research around this because Tool was very much like stop focusing on us, focus on the music, right? And they really wanted to bend genres. They didn't want to be confined by genres, and so they really wanted to experiment with sound in a lot of ways. Um, But it's interesting because Maynard describes Tool's early music as stemming from frustration with the dog and pony show of the L.A. film and music scene. It was about releasing their primal scream, and I think that kind of carries through the rest of the history of their music that they are fighting against that commercialization that, oh, you have in order to make success, commercially successful music, you have to do this. It has to be three minutes. It has to be like only these sounds, right? Only a minimum of chords. Like these are the sounds and these are the sounds that are allowed. And they said, fuck all that. And so then you get these really interesting sounds. I think it's some of the longest music you can play. Since the 70s. Right. Since the 70s, their songs are like, fuck that. It's seven. It's 10. It's 15 minutes. Right. Um, And you get these interesting sounds too because they're like yes it's it's the sound of Enochian the language of the gods and it's also Maynard slowly squeezing his cat to get this unique sound it's them taking a sledgehammer to a piano and then incorporating it into their music at the yeah, same time is actually using the divine ratio and Fibonacci sequences and shit yeah but everybody what points out fuck? to the Fibonacci sequence right but they also write about the totality of human experience so it's like yeah and also one of our songs was inspired by Anima, the life force, and Enemas, which you can look that up on your own, right? Um, but they don't shy away from that human experience. And, and the same thing with sound, where we have to kind of ask, what is music? What is the musicality? What are the things that we can, what are the sounds that we consider music? And Tool was like, yeah, fuck it. It is music. It, sound is music, and this, and we're going to show you how it's done, which is why you get a weird sound of a cat, which is why you incorporate the Fibonacci sequence. You'll often see a lot of their music incorporate incorporate Jungian philosophy as well. They were just like, all of this is combined and interconnected. It's not sciences and music. It's not uh, all of these animus and spirituality and then music. It's It's together. And the drum solo in this song is good enough to make your heart bust a nut. I mean, it's, 
you you listen to Rush and you're like, oh, this is as good as it's gonna get with this drum shit. I think we have peaked out S class. And then Tool's like, hey, nigga, hold my bag. Yeah, there was a conversation we were trying to figure out, right? Who's the best drummer? Who has the best drummer of all time? I think it's Tool, right? And you kind of can't yeah. really have a conversation anymore. To be fucking Tool, man. And again, right? This is for all, for every motherfucker that's ever come to me and it was like, hey, yo, I don't like metal. Listen to this. <sighs> that's me. Listen to this. And tell me you still don't like me. metal. And I still don't like metal. I like Tool. It's how, it's how I feel. <laughs> This is how I feel about Tool. It's a Bob Costas line. So I, I think we say fuck Bob Costas. I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, sports reference anyway. So there's a, um, he talks about Michael Jordan playing, you know, and he's like, uh, in 1996, when Michael Jordan won the championship, he was the best player in the game. In 1993, when Michael Jordan won the championship, he was the best player to ever have played ever. And I think Tool for me, like, I feel very similar about Tool. Like, how, like, at their best, Tool is the best band of all time. I'm a very humble, yet incredibly informed opinion. What they was doing, maybe their longevity isn't there, maybe their total success what isn't you there. you mean? <laughs> just dropping out last year. <laughs> How about this? They're not, the you know, fuck? they're not the goats, but they're the boats. You know what I'm saying? They're the best of all time, and boats float. That's a Tony Ferguson line. Um, so yeah, boom. Any more thoughts? We got one more song left. Number one. Bulls on Parade, Rage Against the Machine, 1996. Yeah, they're going Let's get to number here. one. They're going off in here. Now, I think that is the introduction for number one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that's the introduction. I told you, you knew who was going to be. More metal up your ass, list. bitch. Okay, so More I like metal. Tool and Rage Against the Machine. I still don't like metal. Uh, look, hey, and there's exceptions to the rules which prove the rule, right? I mean, this is not a song that I feel like you can say you don't like. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. The microphone explodes, shattering the modes. Either drop the hits like De La Oa, get the fuck off the commode. What? What? Bulls on Parade. <laughs> Everybody would just want to sing the whole song, which you can do right now. Go uh, go listen. Get them a stream. Bulls on Parade song by American Rock Band Rage Against the Machine. Just that name. Oh, why is it so good? They used to call them libraries. Now they call them mine cemeteries. Uh, Come on. What you don't know keeps the contracts alive and moving. They don't got to burn the books. They, they just, just remove them. Stop. They just want to do Fuckin G-Ride. Yeah, you damn right. I want the machines that are making them. Fucking G-Ride. I want the machines that are making them. Uh, Take uh, it back to means of distribution. <laughs> real commie shit. Real tanky shit. What the fuck? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go off. I'm not mad at it. Uh, it's the second song from their second studio album. We had a third studio album, third song with Mezzanine, Massive Empire. Evil Empire. And this is the cover. It's just this like 14 year old American white, white boy. boy. Oh, man, it was so radical. What they was doing. On it, Sony. How was this music being allowed to be made? Hey, look, man, after 9-11, all this shit got shut down. Duns no, 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 no. Ain't, 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 ain't no more of this radical music going on. You know, though, I find it interesting because really what they tried to do with Rage Against the Machine first was co-opted. 
Right. They were Republicans like, Republicans loved this yeah, shit. Yeah, they fucking loved it, and they played it. And then Rage Against the Machine was like, cease and desist. We hate you. We hate you. Our music is not <laughs> for you to put at your rally. Wasn't, wasn't it Paul Ryan? Like, when did Rage Against the Machine get political? Uh, oh, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then every now and again, you'll have them come at him, right? Stay in your lane, stupid musician. Like, these niggas got degrees in political science at Harvard. I think that's their lane, right? But every aspect of what you claim to want to see in an expert, they've done these things. I think that's what I appreciate about the 90s because there wasn't so many constraints around staying in a genre. And now things are so divisive, even when it comes to, like, if you decide that academia is something that you want to enter into and, and to obtain your degree, you are put on that track, like, as a child all the way up, like, oh, no, you're a science kid? That's all you can do. It has to be science. Oh, you're a math kid? Don't listen to music. Don't look at art. You can't appreciate it in any way because you do math. And the 90s just really fucks all that up. No, it doesn't matter because these things are all important to the full human experience. I'm going to do some of my own since y'all get to sing the whole song. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I just I just feel like uh, weapons, not food, not homes, not shoes, not need, just feed the war, cannibal, animal. I walked the corner to the rubble that used to be the library lineup. Well, you already said some of those, but whatever. I still like it. <laughs> I like them. Uh, while arms warehouses fill as quick as the cells, rally around a family. Pocket, Pocket full, full of shells. Is this nigga talking about the Ukraine? <laughs> I think he's talking about the Ukraine. Arm yourselves, fools. Fools. Uh, Tom Morello. You know what I'm saying? These guys, man, they just freaking legends, man. And uh, Zach De La Rocha. Like, come on now. Still a fucking legend. Yeah, he's a legend. He had to deal with so much racist bullshit per the norm. And it was like, nah, his lane is this shit. Talking about intersectionality. Something that's perfectly hip-hop. Something that's perfectly metal. Motherfucking disparate groups coming together to coalition to fucking shake the mighty tree of Babylon. You know what I'm saying? Before all this ridiculous identity shit became your whole connection to the fucking struggle. Well, I am radical because I'm this, 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 and this. What? No, that's just what you are. That don't mean you are radical. Those are not necessarily, they might be radical decisions, but they're not radically impacting the society. You're not talking about how motherfucking school systems are defunded, how all of this money is going to the fucking cops, rally around a family with a pocket full of shells. Remember, like, okay, remember how I talked about, like, Aaliyah birthed all these type of, like, you know, whispery singers, and then you have, like, so many of the 90s, like, birthing so much of this. The whole rest of the 90s and the 2000s, they tried to put this rap rock shit together, and it just didn't work. I disagree. I think it was quite great. There was a wonderful genre of this shit for quite a while. Now, look, if you're talking about Papa Roach, yeah, it fucking sucks. If you're talking about Limp Biscuit, it fucking sucks. But if you're talking about motherfucking Head P.E., if you talk, I mean, it was a wonderful genre, filled full of shit, but it's for real, for real underground shit. Yeah, it's underground. This is the this is the the best. Unfortunately, it became Lincoln Park, and that's when a motherfucker like me got to jump off. Got you, got you. Uh, any more fi- final? <laughs> any more final? We talk about Lincoln Park another day. Uh, any more thoughts on the '90s or just feelings in general? Any feelings? Um, this was so fun to do. We got two more decades coming after this. Uh, if you got all the way here. Patreon slash Public Pulse or, you know, look, just Google Public Pulse and (laughs) 
Patreon for those who can't find it. Um, I know you motherfuckers gonna act like you know all these bands, but I'm guaranteeing you 60 plus percent of you motherfuckers never listen to Sonic Youth. Go listen up some fucking Sonic Youth. Uh, at Public Pulse Vibes. Look, we've done this already. Top 30 songs of the 60s. Top 30 songs of the 70s. Top 30 songs of the 80s. And we just finished top 20 songs of the 90s. You goddamn right we're gonna be doing Nothing's Coming Soon. Very soon. And maybe you heard the Nothings didn't have good music. Who was a lie? Was a lie. Was a lie. Um, you know, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with um, another political podcast or whatever. But hey, shout out to y'all. Shout out to the revolution. Shout out to people drinking water and being good to each other. Uh, I think I can speak for uh, Tanky and Kita when I say, uh, you know, love yourself and uh, protect yourself. Any final thoughts? We out. Jokes on you. I'm not straight.